following radio show does not contain flash photography, but does have full-on entertainment right from the start. Good afternoon, listener. It's really good to have your company. It is, of course, Tuesday, the 31st of March, 2015, and we are live from Liverpool's e-safeguarding conference here at the centre at LACE here in Liverpool. It's good to have your company. We've got an amazing show coming up for you. We've got the fabulous Andy Fippin. He recorded an interview with us earlier today. We've got Kate Walsh, we've got Rachel Coogan, John Bidder, Stacey and David, and we've got some great music as well. It's all happening here. If you've missed the conference, don't worry, you can enjoy a smorgasbord view of what's going on here as we interview some of our delegates live today. So you can capture the meaning, the feeling, the impetus, the ethos, the culture of today's e-safeguarding conference. It's been really good as well. Big thanks uh, to the conference organisers, Paul Bradshaw and Chris McDonald. Absolutely amazing job. Really good delegate turnout as well. The audience space is absolutely packed. We've had good nosh as well. I always say you can judge a great conference by its nosh and we had a splendid lunch. Big thank you to everyone here at the centre here. Lace, amazing. Really, really good. Made us very, very welcome and we're having a lovely day. So, We've got some music as well. I'm favouring something juicy by Paloma Faith because she was at the arena here in Wolverhampton last night. I know this because so many of you came back singing her songs past my bedroom. Thank you for that. It was really kind of you. I know most of the repertoire anyway, but it was good. To, I, I guess the conference was really good. The conference. What am I saying? I guess the concert was really, really good and you enjoyed it. Get in contact. Do uh, uh, send us a tweet. We are on Twitter. If you want to hashtag, we are eSafetyLiverpool15. A bit of a mouthful there, listeners, but I'll give you that to you again. Use the hashtag eSafetyLiverpool15 and I will see that if you'd like a mention. I'd certainly like to say a good afternoon to Paul Sharp, who I think has missed the conference. I hope you are listening to this. Paul, if you are, let's drop us a line. It'd be really nice to get your name mentioned that as well. Um, we'll say hello to some other people who have put their name into the timeline there. Drop us a line if you'd like to get in contact. Don't forget our text number is 85010. Remember to start each and every message with the word radio, R-A-D-I-O, and we will get that as well. Please send your emails, your tweets, your anything you like. Send a pigeon, send a letter send anything email as well we are open to you we are studio at andertontiger.com one more time studio at andertontiger.com so email tweet us send us a text get in contact it's all happening here don't go anywhere. we've got a great safer internet day radio live show for you with tons of really good advice do not go anywhere now hey all you out there on radio land what's up y'all i'm beyonce hey it's katie perry and i'm I'm joined now by John Bidder from Lipit, Mm. who's just spoken at the conference about using Facebook, well, with a very young school, really, you know, a primary school, Mm. with some really good results. Tell the listeners about that. Well, I think the school that we focused on mainly was um, was Barraford, uh, Barraford, I should say, that's how they like to pronounce it up there, Barraford Primary School in in Lancashire, and... um, they were one of the earliest schools that we worked with, Russell, basically. And um, last year they went on a bit of a journey. 
summertime they went viral for all the right reasons which is good for them and um, the lessons that were learned and the data that was gathered as a result of, of that um, were, were huge and, and vast and the parental engagement and the way that the community rallied around the mm. school was equally impressive mm. um, as with any viral thing you know how viral things mm. go they go whoosh and everybody goes hey that's great but you just know it's human nature that in 24 hours there'll be somebody going yeah but you know what about and that happened and Grenada reports decided to suggest that the school was um, supporting lack of ambition and all those kinds of things and um, what really made me smile and what really gave me um, heart and a bit of faith in, in parents was that the, it was the parents who very very ably defended rallied around mm. and were the voice of that school and they didn't do it in a angry mob kind of way they did it in a way that reflected the school's values and they did it in a way that showed that they were totally on message totally engaged with the school and um, those kind of moments uh, they're nice when they happen th they're few and far between mm. I have to say and mm. it is still unusual uh, to hear it's a good story a really good story I think you're absolutely spot on yeah, to be mentioning that as well uh, are we seeing more schools starting to embrace this because it's still where the parents are no matter what anyone says parents are all on Facebook mm, yeah um, it's probably the closest you can get to the parents um, without moving in with them um, the schools have I think that's beginning to recognize now that websites are great um, websites are important they need to have certain statutory types of information on of them. course but uh, what I find a lot is that when we start talking to a school, they're almost their second question is, well, what about the website? What does this mean for the website? And um, I think the social side of things, it, it sounds obvious to say it, but it's about two-way. A website is, traditionally, it's broadcast. Um, and broadcast is fine. But if you really want to engage with parents, then you need a back channel of for course. them to come back. And so one of the things that we find now is that um, more, many more schools are now asking for this. Yeah. So instead of me going around saying, you know, do you need some help? They're now actually coming, coming to you. forwards to us, which I think is a bit of a seed change, at least in our experience. We've yeah. been doing this now for probably coming up for five years, four or five years, um, working with a whole variety of, of schools. And um, the engagement that happens is, um, is now being recognised by Ofsted as well, which for heads who are maybe hanging back because of their concerns about Ofsted, um, the Ofsted nods of approval and, mm. and the positive uh, reports, mm. they kind of knock that nail a little bit on the head, which, which is a positive uh, change again. What I most like is that you work with the schools around Facebook. You don't bring an entirely different application or platform to the solution. Mm. Let's take Yammer, for example. We've, we've heard that. You know, you, you, uh, hello, here, here, you can only interact with us if you learn and log on to use this environment. Oh, it, it's not Facebook. It's entirely different. Oh, and good luck with that. You know, oh, for goodness sake, people, wake up and smell the coffee. There's no evidence that that has had any impact. You have to use what they're using. And that applies in the classroom, at home, and with parents, of yeah. course. Um, so I guess uh, if people are interested in this and they want to find out more about how you can... And this isn't just a cheers, hello, like, goodbye. This is a long relationship, a long strategic kind mm -hmm. of thing, where you, you talk about social presence, you talk about marketing mm -hmm. strategies, you talk about this 80-20. Good to hear you talking about that as well, because people often get that wrong. Mm -hmm. It's all about me, 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 me. <laughs> It's the opera singer. 
syndrome again. Me, 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 me. And it's not about that. It is about you, 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 you. 80% and me, 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 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not easy. It's not. It doesn't come instinctively, but you're absolutely right. That is the best way to go about it. Brilliant. If people want to like what they hear, and they should, where should they go? Um, they can come and say hello at blipit, B-L-I-P-I-T.co.uk, um, or they can follow us on Just Blipit on Twitter. Just blip it on Twitter. Two words. Just blip it. Just blip it. Is there a space in between the two? Or just <laughs> no, no space. No space. They're right up to each other. No space. John, really good to talk to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, Russell. John Bidder there from Blip It, everyone. This is Sid Radio Live with Russell Prue. Tweet the show right now. Just use at Sid Radio Live. Uh, it was amazing just to chat with him. It's just coming into eight, nine minutes past two. The time's going so quickly, listeners. Amazing. Uh, get in contact if you want to have your name mentioned on our live radio show. We're with you until we finish. And we've got a few more guests still to come. We've got Kate Walsh. We've got Rachel Coogan. We've got John and Stacey chatting about the conference. I'm going to play that next. And we've got Professor Andy Fippin on the show. Do not go anywhere. There's still tons, tons still to come. Don't forget, you can text us. Simples. Okay, listeners, uh, let's uh, chat with some real people, more real people. These are people who have just come along to enjoy the conference. They're not, uh, one of them just said to me, Russell, I'm not selling anything. It's really good. Introduce yourself. Tell the listeners who you are. Hi, I'm Stacey Beenham from Barlow's Primary School. Hello, Stacey. Hi, I'm David Briscoe from Pilots Primary. Hello, David. David and Stacey, thank you so much indeed. Um, how have you found the conference so far? Yeah, it's been excellent. It's been really interesting and informative, um, helping us keep children safe online. Uh, lots of ideas to take back to school and also lots of things for us to think about as educators. Brilliant. David, for you? Yeah, found it um, quite challenging ourselves in terms of the social media aspects of things and how we can actually reach <coughs> our parents on a different plane to what we are doing at the moment. That's good. And anything that particularly sticks out from what you've heard or seen so far that you're absolutely going to take back for you? Yeah, I think the use of the uh, social media in, in interacting more with our parents and our children uh, in order to understand how they learn better and how we as uh, professionals can learn from the children a bit more. Stacey? Yeah, we were just having a good conversation actually about using Facebook and Twitter um, and how sometimes that can seem like, uh, especially for primary schools, talking about the age ranges with 13 and over with parental consent for Facebook. For us, it, we were having a debate of how you engage parents with Facebook, but also don't encourage the children to be using things that are perhaps above their age range. Um, so how you can provide something that's a social platform for the children, but also doesn't sort of discourage parents from engaging in Facebook with schools. And do you think you'll meet any resistance when you go back to school with this fabulous news? Uh, to be honest, I think we're very um, sort of open school and um, we look at new ideas, we consider them and we consider what's best for not only for children and parents, you know, across communities, but for our children and parents and what's the best way to reach them and the safest way as well, and obviously safety first. What about you, David? Any any resistance at school do you think you might encounter? Uh, Governors think, particularly? I don't know, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I think in terms of uh, the innovation, then everyone will be on board with that. In terms of the logistics side of how that will actually apply within the classroom and the school itself, that's something that 
could potentially uh, lead to issues before it starts. Do you know, either of you, do you know how many of your parents are on Facebook? Do you carry that statistic? Have you ever done that research? No, we do um, do each year an annual e-safety questionnaire with our students. So we ask the children to, to be honest with us and say what types of websites are you using, what types of social media are you using. Sure. Um, so in terms of parents, we don't actually know that statistic. We can only tell you from sort of parents having conversations with us and saying sure. we use Facebook, we use Twitter and what the children say. Um, so it might be an interesting statistic. Can say any out. plans to take that, take the form home, yeah. and bring it back tomorrow with some answers? Yeah, yeah it could be. Both of you might do that. Yeah, I think that's something that we need to look towards ourselves as well. But you, you can only really get a feel from the verbal at the gate when people are telling you, uh, "I'm on Facebook. I do this. I do that." So. I just, it's nice to take some of that gate discussion and move it online because they can so more readily defend you and the the values of the school. And, and I've had plenty of examples that John Bidder, when he talked about his Flippit product, was talking about. Did that chime nicely with you? I thought that was sort of easy. Yeah, I think it, the room was very quiet, but I saw lots of thinking going on. Yeah, it was interesting to listen to, to John Flippit. Um, is, funnily enough, we're engaged in a project with Blippit with the North Liverpool Teaching School Partnership. Oh, right. Um, and engaging in using app building with children and developing children's understanding through e-safety of building wow. apps. So it was quite good to hear him speak and to, to think about how that's going to link back to students understanding what goes into sure. apps and into social media apps and sort of how that communicates out in a safe way. We're still only halfway through the day. There's loads more still to come. There's some great speakers. Well. We've got Professor Andy Phipp, and he's coming um, uh, on video conference as well from Plymouth. He's not well enough to travel, unfortunately. Um, but still loads more. Anything else stand out from this morning's content that you really kind of... And I'm really not fishing for compliments here in any shape or form. I thought that all of a sudden that sounds so bad. Of course, listeners, you won't know this, but I've just spoken, but it doesn't matter. Anything that other kind of just sticks out as a sore thumb in the whole landscape of stuff, and you don't need to say anything about it. Apart from yourself, also. You're very kind, David. That was, the, of course, the right response, but I honestly wasn't looking at it at all. I think in terms of looking at uh, the technology and the information that's out there for ourselves as schools and how we can embrace that to take the children's learning on to the next step I think is something that's really stood up for myself. I think um, as well Russell an important message that you gave to us was very much about not waiting for perhaps larger organisations to tell us what to discuss and take forward but to look at what's happening now with our children, our schools, our communities and to take those discussions forward so that we can move the children, the parents, communities forward and, and work together to keep safe without waiting. Um, and about things, you know, they are moving fast. We need to keep up and sort of listen to what's going on around us rather than holding back and waiting for someone to tell us what to do. Has anything surprised you insofar as the children's use of technology? Good answer. Um, anything that, have you ever been surprised recently, this term, we're just coming to the end of the term, um, What any, anything stand out, any uses of technology, any comments from a child, anything that's really made you quite reflective about something? Uh, I think a lot of them are using um the items like the, the virtual reality uh, gaming at the moment where they've managed to create their own worlds uh, such as like the Minecraft like Sims things like that where they've taken it into school or where they've made their own uh, movies not, not as innovative as you think but uh, making the movies in the little bedrooms about the bands or the bands that they know about and then send them into school shows I made this in 20 seconds and where us as adults are looking at like a day two, three, four days to get it so in terms of the technology it's it's more about us seeing what, what happens before they see it. It's interesting, isn't it? 
We've both um, also been working on the Little Big Planet project with Paul Bradshaw of Liverpool LA. Um, and what's particularly interesting, we both said, was we're, you're launching the project with the pupils in school. We're really excited because it's new and exciting to us. And sure. The children are coming in and saying, well, actually, I know how to create levels at home. Let me show you this. Yeah. And yeah. it's really good to have that two-way conversation with children and it not just be the teachers as the educators, but the, the children being the educators um, and opening up those discussions. Yeah, I think, I think uh, facilitating their learning in that way has helped us learn as yeah. well. That way it's been brilliant. That's good. Now, listeners will know the background noise has suddenly disappeared. There can only be one reason for that. Conference is starting again, both of you. You need to get back in your seats. Thank you for joining us. No Stacey and David, really good to chat with you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, this is Debbie Forster, Managing Director of Apps for Good, and you're here listening to Russell Pruitt. Just coming up to 17 minutes past two, you're listening to me, Russell Prue, live until the end of the show. I've no idea. We've got some variable content coming our way, and I just have no idea. But we're on air until we have emptied the can and given it a good shake as well. Uh, Jim Gamble is on stage right now. He's having very good reception as well. And if you want to get across to the hashtag, we are hashtag... E-Safety Liverpool 1515. E-Safety Liverpool 15. It's all happening on there. It's quite an active hashtag. I'm reliably refreshed and enjoying that hashtag, which is really good. That shows that there are lots of um, uh, Twitter users in the auditorium tweeting away. It's not trending, but it's very active. And thank you very much indeed if you've sent something in there. Um, I think we've got uh, Paul Sharp listening. If you are, thank you very much indeed. Lovely to have your company. If you want to mention, just drop us a like there as well. Uh, you can follow Sid Radio Live or you can follow me at Russell Pru or you can just dump something into the hashtag there as well. Uh, we've got colleagues from the Aerial Trust coming up in just a minute. Uh, Ken Korish, he spoke earlier this morning, was we'll be saying hello to him as well. Uh, it's a really good show. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. We're doing our very best to bring you the greatest news about safeguarding here at this brilliant safeguarding conference here. We're in Liverpool and we're broadcasting live until we have finished our contact next up it's one of the interviews with the aerial trust don't go anywhere Uh, joined in the studio now by Rachel Coogan, if I got that right, from Aerial Trust. Rachel, tell the listeners about yourself. Okay, so as you said, my name is Rachel Coogan. I'm Business Development Officer for Aerial Trust. Aerial Trust are a local educational charity, and we develop interactive resources for, for schools. So very engaging, very fun, um, yeah, educational resources on various issues ranging from domestic violence to the new one which we're here promoting today, which is cyberbullying. Perfect. And is that all through? We've got primary and secondary here? We have always focused on secondary. I say always. For the past six or seven years, we've created secondary resources. And mm. um, this is our first primary resource. Oh, wow. Cyberbullying. So uh, primary teachers actually came to us and said there's a big need for this issue. Obviously, it's a... Uh, it's a growing issue, the internet's evolving, so um, we've responded to their needs and we've, we've spent about two years developing the resource. So it's just been launched last month and um, yeah, it's going really well, promoting it across Merseyside. And is it only available in Merseyside or is this something that would work outside of that area? Definitely work outside of the area. We're, we are funded for it to be available to all schools in Merseyside for free, Right. so that helps. <laughs> But it's definitely available um, nationwide. So it can be bought outside of the authority? It can, Excellent. yes. Excellent, absolutely. Yes. So. And what are we looking at? Are we a huge investment for this or is it kind of... No, I mean, it's, I mean, 
from our from our perspective, very small cost for the amount of brilliant time and effort that's gone into it. So we, we we're charging two hundred pounds for the resource. Um, We've also just been shortlisted for a European award for it. So we're off to Poland. Yeah. Oh, well done. So we're uh, very happy about that. Um, it's, as I said, going really well. All the teachers that have um, seen the resource so far have signed Brilliant. up. Brilliant. So, um, it's really good. So, yes. Yeah, Tell it's me some really more about it. What, so what, what, how does it, what sh- does it shape work? and form? Yeah, what, what are yeah, we looking okay, at? Okay, so CyberSense is, as I said, it's aimed for primary, yep. although we've got quite a few secondary and SEN oh, schools surprised. using it. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so. Um, it's basically been developed to respond to the challenging needs of cyberbullying and and staying safe online. There are eight exercises, yep. all very interactive, and um, I guess the young people to um, to basically respond to the six videos in the first exercise, right. which range from selfies to peer pressure to the bystander, sexism. You name it, wow. we've tried to get the issue in there. Well, c- current stuff, not kind yeah, of old just... stuff, because there's a lot of stuff out there that yeah. was written for the textbook, and people with all the goodwill in the world have just kind of translated it into HTML kind of stuff, and it just doesn't sit well in this century, really. There's a lot of stuff out there, you're right, there are, and what we've tried to do is respond to the needs of what primary school teachers have, have come Brilliant. to us and, and, and express needs. You know, they work with young people on a daily yeah. basis, they know their young people, and Good. they know what things... They, they know what help that they, they need. There's a um, one really important exercise in CyberSense, which is about support networks. Brilliant. So, if, you know, where to go if they are actually experiencing cyberbullying or how they could help their peers as well. Brilliant. How important are parents in all of this? Very important. This is the first resource where we're really trying to engage, engage parents in the community. We feel that the young people know more than the parents know. Yeah. So really trying to engage them in the activities. We've created parent um, activities as well. So they'll go home and test an adult Brilliant. on symbols and ah. staying safe online, passwords. So really trying to get them involved in it as much as possible. And now, you've obviously tested this. What's been the feedback so far? Amazing. I mean, we're really, really impressed. We're overwhelmed by some of the some of the feedback we've had. Um, we've got just alone in the Wirral, we've signed up over 90% of schools so far. We've Whoa. got um, Manchester coming on board, Stockport, Oldham. We've... Um, yeah, I mean, literally every teacher that's been using it has been really, really overwhelmed by, I think, more than anything, the amount of content in it. We know that not every exercise will be able to be delivered in the, in the classroom. Sure. There's a lot in there, but I think we've just tried to fit in as much as we can that we feel will help young people to, to build resilient skills. Brilliant. We love it, love it, love it. How do we get in contact with you? How do we find out more about this? Okay, so you can contact myself at rachel.arieltrust.com, which is just R-A-C-H-E-L, arieltrust.com, A-R-I-E-L, T-R-U-S-T. And follow us on Twitter, just at arieltrust. You could call us on 01517078211. Someone that knows their numbers. You are good. <laughs> I try. <laughs> or the website, yeah, arieltrust.com has got more information on Brilliant. Thank you, Rachel. It's been a real pleasure. No and good luck with this as well. Thank you very much. And thanks nice for coming to along today. It's really good. It's good conference. Cheers. You enjoying the conference so far? Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, really good spot information, on, actually. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. We need so much more of this. We do. We need yeah. to do this more again. Rachel, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Bye now. Love chatting with Rachel there. It's just coming up to 24 minutes past two. Still to come, it's the Fipster and Kate Walsh after these messages. Get into school radio for less. The Anderton Tiger Hub. For under 3,000 pounds.
www.brendatontiger.com forward slash hub. Good to have a chat with some real people here. Grassroots people. I've got Kate Walsh with me. Kate, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Russell. Nice to meet you. Excellent. Introduce yourself and just tell the listeners a little bit about your work. Okay, well, my name is Kate Walsh, and um, recently I was the anti bullying coordinator in Merseyside, and I've now set up a new venture which is um, called Esteem. So um, my name of the company is called Esteem, and it's very, very new, but I'm very excited about it. Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, well, what it's looking at is instead of raising awareness around bullying or homophobia or racism or whatever the issue may be, and what we're trying to do is look at a solution for that problem. Brilliant. So, for instance, um, when a child has been a victim of bullying or divorce or bereavement or whatever it may be, their self-esteem is knocked, and that yeah. prevents them from recovering and moving forward and becoming the, you know, the, the amazing young person that they could potentially be. So what we're looking at is about valuing yourself as a person. Yeah. And most importantly, once you can like the person you are and have an opinion and be important within your circle of friends, then you can become more resilient. And once you're resilient, then regardless of what the issue is, you can bounce off yeah. it and, and recover from that. So I think it's really important focus and a way forward to the, all these you know, ongoing issues. Now, you've been in the previous role nearly 11 years, maybe That's a little it. bit more. What, what changes have you seen? You must have seen an enormous amount of change. Well, well, 10 years ago, a tweet was something a baby chicken did. Um, a blackberry was a piece of fruit, and if you had a profile, you were a criminal. So, you know, if you were going to Google something, you get locked up for it. So, 10, you know, 11 years ago, none of these things existed. So, it was very much playground bullying. Um, you know, she called me this, he called me that, a fight maybe after school. And now it's, you know, it's 365 days of the year, it's yeah. persistent, it's ongoing. And I think that that's the problem. There's no respite from it. You never get a chance to recover before the next punch in the stomach, basically. Sure. So, um, it has changed massively. But, um, I also think that the way that schools are dealing with it has changed massively as well. So over the 11 years, they, they now admit, yes, we do have an issue and mm. please come and help us resolve this problem. So that's good. Have you f- seen fundamental behaviour changes or is the same bullying that used to happen in the playground now just happening online? I think that it will start off in the playground but then becomes online. And I don't think that children realise that it is actually cyberbullying. So they will definitely, uh, regardless of how it started, it becomes a problem for them in their real life. So I think that that's how we compare what is the difference between trolling and cyberbullying. Yeah. A troll is somebody who is, um, you know, will use somebody's downheartened way or, you know, their victim status mm. and prey on that victim status, where cyberbully is someone that you know and it can affect you in the real world as well. Do you think young people that you, you deal with on a regular basis understand the dangers of the internet or are they still a bit naive? I think that we don't give them as much credit as what they deserve, to be honest with you. And providing, you know, this this do not use it, get off it, that's only for 13, yeah. is absolute nonsense. You know, this thing that we can prosecute parents for letting children play under 18 games and stuff like that, it's ridiculous. The yeah, police are bursting at the seams. Social services can't deal with any, you know, anything that is as significant anyway at the moment. So I think that we need to say, do you know what? Guns are a very dangerous thing and knives are a very dangerous thing and you don't get nine lives in the real world. And I think that if we're being open, then that is the best way forward. Because if we if we don't, then what we're doing is we're 
could potentially stop children from talking to us then because they know that what they're doing is wrong. So I think it's really important to be able to have that conversation and say, you know, Grand Theft Auto mm. is a real vile game. However, if you're going to play it, this is real life. You know what I mean? This is what will happen in the real world if you were to drag someone else of a car and hit them over the head with that. hammer. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. I know it sounds crazy, but I think we need to discuss it, don't we? We do. You're absolutely right. We so need to discuss it, but it mm. has to be discussed by people like you based in your community so it's real and meaningful you have a, a, a very interesting way with language mm-hmm. and I have a very interesting way with language and they're not compatible when we're dealing with young people yeah. it's got to come from the local community from the people that are immersed absolutely. in that kind of space absolutely. it's essential absolutely essential I mean we've done a lot of work about inappropriate behaviour online yeah. and inappropriate photographs and it's just the way you see you know you see Miley Cyrus flying through the air naked on a wrecking ball and they think that they can do it and unfortunately the law in relation to under 18 so and it is much more serious than Miley Cyrus doing it. So as long as they are aware of that and the potential of sharing and, you know, that really the online world is a very, very fake world, yeah. then, you know, if we can get that message across to them, then hopefully someone will make, you know, more empowered choices, really. Wow. Tell me some more about your new venture that's esteemed. Have you got a website yet? Can we No, find not yet. It's very, very new. Okay. It's very, very exciting for me. Um, but what I'm hoping to do is actually, um, you know, work with it into small intervention groups so we can identify identify the children who are suffering from low self-esteem um, it doesn't necessarily have to you know it can also be the perpetrators of these you know the things that are going on as well so they can um, you know identify why am I behaving like this yeah. what what is the mean why do I need to bring yeah. people down why do I need to you know hear people or you know whatever situation so I think that it is very very new it's it's all in the process of being done sure but um, you know people can get in touch with me if they need to and you can follow me on Twitter at esteem Kate oh that's what I was looking for <laughs> exactly the at esteem Kate yeah and, and spelling Kate is with a Y unfortunately just to be different but no. it's good to be different Russell nothing wrong with that at all Kate it's real pleasure thank someone who's rolled their sleeves up and are doing something about it you thank are you very my much. hero absolutely superb Kate lovely to have you with us thanks for joining us today thank you very much Just coming up to 2.30, listening to me, Russell, with our Liverpool e-safeguarding conference radio show. Uh, This is going to be up on SoundCloud just as soon as we finish our show. You can pop across to soundcloud.com forward slash Russell Prue. Or if you are looking at the hashtag, we will put that on there later on this evening. It'll take a little while to get up. A little bit of editing, a little bit of adjustment on there as well. Uh, Next up, it's the fabulous professor. You just simply can't have one of these events without catching up with the fabulous Andy Fippin from uh, Plymouth. He is joining the conference live later this afternoon by video conference and we're really looking forward to that as well because he's such good value, pulls punches, swears a lot and says some really good stuff. So looking forward to that. Uh, The uh, much cleaner, more fabulous uh, interview, he's up next with us. Do stay with us. Don't forget you can tweet us, text us, email us, send a pigeon if you like. It'd be really good to have something from you if you want. Um, Just having a quick look on Twitter live as well. Lots going on. It's uh, really uh, sprung into life this afternoon. Obviously a really good uh, conversation. John Nixon HMI is up next. He's talking about e-safety as well, computing curriculum and the importance of e-safety content in there as well, which is really good. Uh, Scanning across here, not missing anything. Hello to uh, Whitefield Primary School. You are tweeting away. Lovely to have your company. Thank you so much. There's a mention for you. And if you want to mention, don't forget to drop us a tweet, drop us a text if you'd like something said on today's live radio show. Don't go anywhere. It's Andy Fippen. He's up next. Now. Hey, all you out there on Radio Land. What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce. Hey, it's Katy Perry, and I'm here with you. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Professor Andy Fippin. You just can't have a safer internet or a, a safeguarding conference these days without this gentleman. Andy, welcome to the show. Really good to have you company. How are you? Hello, Russ. I'm not too bad, thanks. Can't complain, really. Now, you were going to be here in person, but this afternoon at three o'clock, we're going to enjoy you via video conference. What's up, mate? Well, yeah, I'm a bit under the weather. I think I've got mumps, which is hilarious for a 42-year-old. But, but really, I don't want to be going in a room with 100 odd people when I've got mumps and, you know, spreading the love. So I thought it's probably better if I um, come in and buy a Skype instead. So, I um, think yeah, that's why. It's not a conference I'd want to miss. So I, I thought, let's use technology instead. Well, wouldn't that be right? And we don't need a high-speed train up here either from you. Not that not it's coming anywhere near you anyway. <laughs> that's really good. Um, there's some very interesting um, recent developments to this, and I think they're really based on society's view and opinion, and that for me is coming mostly from the media. How much are they culpable in all of this? Oh, um, I'm doing quite a lot of work on this at the moment. Hopefully I'm going to be producing a book on it by the end of the year, but if we look at government policy over the last five years, we can see a, a clear link between what the media is outraged about and what the government is responding to, which isn't necessarily what young people are telling us that are their big concerns as well. Right. Um, so, so yeah, media have got a, a big role to play in this. They, they will generate the headline, which will generate the public response, which will generate the policy response. And that really is worrying. I mean, we, we're told about evidence-based policy forming all the time, but, but I, I see it sort of, sort of flipped around from that, really. It's policy-based evidence forming. It's like, let's create a policy, then let's find the evidence to support the policy, which, you know, is not what you want to see from a government. It isn't. And uh, so give me a refresh. Where are we up as far as uh, where would policy be, according to, to Andy Fippin? Well, policy has been really interesting. Up until about nine months ago, I'd say it's all about the filtering. We've got to get filtering in the homes. We've got to make sure that young people can't see pornography. We've made sure that you can't access pornography in coffee shops anymore, which, frankly, I never saw anyone do anyway. But there you go. Um, um, you know, it, it's all been about prevention. Then, um... Then it's all gone quite quiet because clearly this isn't a vote winner. I mean, no, no one's crying out for, for better safety education for children as a vote winner. It's all about, you know, immigration and the economy and all that sort of thing now. But, but recently, interestingly, the Education Select Committee came out very strongly and said that they think compulsory sex and relationship education is a right of children in schools. Mm. And the, the response from the Westminster government was virtual silence which I think is a, is a big worry, really. I mean, the Labour Party have committed to compulsory sex and relationship education if they get in, but what they haven't done is describe what that compulsory sex and relationship education looks like. Um, and I think it's, we need to get to a finer detail on this because young people are crying out for it. I mean, no, interestingly, on the news this morning, the NSPCC are talking about young people accessing pornography again. And really, I mean, I'm really encouraged to see the NSPCC coming out from this angle, but they're saying that it should be about education now. They're kind of like, they're, they're no longer saying, right, we need to stop them looking at it. They're saying, we need to talk about it in schools. And I think that's a really positive thing for the NSPCC to say. Have we ever stopped them from looking at it? Well, that's I was, interestingly, I've been talking to a few people about this recently. It's been going on ever since there has been content to access. It's just mm. it's done in different ways. And clearly, the sorts of things they can access easily these days are far stronger than the sorts of things you or I could access when we were children. But, mm. you know, I can remember being phoned up by a friend and told I found my father's magazines, let's go around and look at them. <laughs> you know, which, which is a bizarre thing. You know, a bunch of teenage boys sat around a living room looking at pornography. It's a strange social thing that happened in the 80s, I guess. But, you know, it's moved on from there. And, yeah, let's face facts. They like to look at this sort of thing. Um, one of the things that came out of the NSPCC stuff, which 
the language concerns me, as they were saying, one in 10, 12, 13-year-olds they contacted said they were addicted to pornography. Yeah. Now, addiction is not a word I like to see very much because, you know, it's it's a very easy word to use. And if you were to say to, to a young person, are you addicted to this? They might say yes. But are we really talking about clinical addiction here? Are we talking about like physical suffering if you withdraw from this sort of thing? Or are we just talking about something they thoroughly enjoy looking at? Mm, interesting. It's good, I guess, that we're having these kinds of discussions. That um, Do you think that we, are, <laughs> interesting, that we as adults are growing up a little bit and can actually entertain these kinds of conversations in a sensible fashion now? Um, I think people within the area do. I mean, you and I have conversations about this many, many times, but I think you're your average person on the street who maybe has been informed directly from mm. Daily Mail or something like that, I think mm. they still really struggle with it. This is, uh, and, and the interesting statistics from Ofcom recently saying that since service providers have offered parental filtering, they've had a 4% uptake or a 4% increase in uptake of it. Let's face facts, adults are looking at pornography as yeah. well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think there is a, a social uncomfortableness. You know, there's, there's something called the third person effects hypothesis, which is a rather grand term, um, which says that I feel I find, I'm fine by this, but society needs protecting from it. We can see it in video game violence. We can see it in horror movies and all those sorts of things. You will get people saying, no, no, it doesn't affect me, but society needs to be protected from this or... You know, even though I'm talking about gaming later on, regardless of the age of the gamer I speak to, they'll say they're fine with 18 cert games, but younger kids shouldn't play them. And I think that's that's an interesting thing that we have as a society is, is we're all right with it, but other people aren't. Therefore, something needs to be done. But I do think there is a, a real uncomfortableness of the fact that young teens are starting to access pornography and, and we'd rather stop it happening than actually saying, well, okay, it is happening and let's face it, trying to prevent a determined teen doing anything online is going to be a hiding to nothing. Mm. So let's talk about it instead. You touched on games there and I, I, I perhaps my follow-up question about that, there was some very interesting over the weekend articles emerging uh, about a group of head teachers who have decided to report young people for playing under 18, uh, for playing over 18 games when they're in fact under 18. Now as far as I'm aware there's nothing illegal about that, it's down to the purchasing isn't it? Um, it's a, uh, I was quite surprised to see that letter to be honest I was quite surprised to see the the rationale for it, which is to help parents make sure their children are as safe as possible online. Mm. Um, because I think threatening parents with child neglect is not a great way of engaging parents in this discussion. Okay. I think that's extremely counterproductive and, and potentially you're going to have big barriers coming up between schools and parents, which is exactly what you don't want. Yeah. Um, yes, there are, are issues at the point of sale, but certainly as someone who knows a, a student who used to work at Toys R Us, their policy was if the parent hands over the money and you give the game back to the parent, if the parent then gives that game to a child, it's not the department's problem. Um, but, but, but equally, is it child neglect to allow them to play a specific kind of game? I have greater concerns, and it's something I will talk about this afternoon, of things like excessive screen time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've heard about more fights over FIFA than I have over Call of Duty. There are some, some definite issues in particularly younger children accessing this sort of content but equally when you talk to 10 or 11 or 12 year old gamers about GTA a lot of them won't even follow the campaign they'll just drive around and run people over and think it's funny um, and these are you know we've been going on since the 1970s about the, the effects of video game violence on children and there's still no clearly proven causal link between video game violence and, and violent society in fact 
as a society, we are getting less violent, not more violent. So even though we've had violent video games for the last 30-odd years. But we, we do know, Andy, that seriously disturbed young people are influenced by seriously disturbed games. We, there is a causal effect there, isn't there? Well, this is the thing. I mean, what, what irritates me about the whole area when it comes to press response and policy responses is young people are referred to as a single thing. Right. And you've got millions of different levels of resilience, millions of different personalities. Yes, I've spoken to young people who are clearly affected by what they're accessing in terms of the games and things. However, I've also spoken to young people who play exactly the same sorts of games, and you think, yeah, they're, they're absolutely fine. They're going to be absolutely fine members of society, and even they're developing their own career plans because they want to work in the gaming sector. So these blanket, no, this, this is clearly damaging, this isn't clearly damaging, this is harmful, this isn't harmful. Let's actually have a dialogue with the young people instead and actually understand it from them. You know, when I was growing up, we were worried about watching Tom and Jerry um, cartoons. Mm. Oh, kids shouldn't watch Tom and Jerry cartoons because they might end up smacking people in the face with frying pans. Really? I mean, yes, it, it might have happened to a few of us, but um, <laughs> certainly my generation hasn't grown up, you know, chasing people around and sticking irons in their faces and thinking, oh, why hasn't their face got iron shape? Or, or buying stuff from Acme Company. For, <laughs> for, I saw that. Uh, that was a very interesting story as well. The uh, or, or the animator's guide to uh, to Roadrunner came, you know, <laughs> that all action must always be on the road. There must always be a road in sight. And all products must be purchased from the Acme me company. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, you know, it's wonderful stuff. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thank you so much indeed for your uh, your precursor to your talk, because, because uh, this show's going out at two o'clock and we had to record this ahead of that. Thanks very much for taking part in the show and thanks very much indeed for taking part in the conference here as well. It just wouldn't be the same without you. It's a, uh, a veritable who is who um, on the list and it's a real pleasure to have you on the, the main lineup as well and it's great to catch up with you as well and I hope you're feeling better soon. Thanks very much, Russ. Good to talk to you. Really good. Brilliant there. Chatting live with the amazing Professor Andy Fippin, Professor of Social Responsibility, IT and All Matters Safety, down there at the University of Plymouth. Thanks very much indeed, Andy. Cheers. It's just gone 20 minutes to three, and that is about all we've got time for. Thank you very much indeed to all my guests, everyone that took part in today's live show. Thank you very much indeed. We will be up on SoundCloud just as soon as we can. SoundCloud.com forward slash Russell Crew. You'll find this recording as well. Big thank you to Kate, to Rachel, to John Bidder, to Stacey David, and of course the fabulous Professor Andy Fippin. Thank you to you for listening to us. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you for everything. We'll do this again some other time. You have been listening to the eSafety Live live conference here from Liverpool. Hi, this is Debbie Forster, Managing Director of Apps for Good, and you're here listening to Russell Crew.